across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning, welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We'll all end in tears, we are assured. In just over one week, the Prime Minister has promised to lift the nationwide lockdown that never really was, depending on where you live and how good your MP is at negotiating members of the COVID recovery group backbench Tories who are against lockdown will be doing their level best to ensure that their constituencies get the best outcomes. Meanwhile, the Labour Party will be agitating and making a lot of noise without actually offering anything of any merit whatsoever. Well, there we are then. I can't imagine uh, what's going to happen in London, but I can't imagine as well uh, them making sure that restaurants and bars stay closed in London into Tier 3. Once they finally fixed uh, the old technical glitches at Downing Street yesterday, Boris Johnson revealed that this is the season to be jolly careful but we will have to wait until Thursday to find out exactly what areas in which tiers the expectation is that parts of the north of England will be stuck in tier three or that there might even be more tiers introduced a bit like Scotland you know it's like some kind of game isn't it now we'll try and make sense of it all but we need your help as well today especially today because we need to know what's been going on in your neck of the woods what are you seeing what is open what is closed And how normal is life going to be for you? There are some people who are slightly worried that this government is going to give too many powers to local authorities to do the kinds of things that we've been seeing being done in Droitwich in Worcestershire, which we talked about yesterday, uh, where a woman who runs a stationery shop uh, is is fighting back against the closure of said shop. We'll be finding out from John Rental what he makes of it all as well. Uh, He's, of course, the chief political correspondent of The Independent, 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we'll be checking in with our favourite London restaurateur, We'll be running our eyes over the Christmas TV schedule and we'll be asking Professor Carol Sakura why he's feeling so optimistic about finding a way out of the COVID tunnel today. 0344 499 1000. Also, Lisa Francesca Nand will join us with news that quarantine for travel abroad will be reduced from 14 days down to five. But it won't come cheap if you're thinking of going away for Christmas with the family. And we'll tell you if Black Friday's deals are likely to be any good this year. 0344 499 1000. That's the number we want you to call us on. And we want to talk to a lot of you today, please. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. So the front pages this morning uh, create a bit of a picture of some uh, end in sight. Covid curbs could be it should be over by Easter, says medical chief, uh, and that was of course the return of Professor Chris Whitty yesterday. Uh, he backs the PM's aims to lift restrictions in the spring, and the Oxford vaccine is revealed to be up to ninety percent effective. Harsh winter, brighter spring, it says on the front page of the Daily Mirror. Let's find out from John Rental uh, what he makes of it all. John, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm happy to see that you, in uh, in in as much as uh, uh, you can be, are also equipped with better um, uh, equipment, audially and visually, than the Prime Minister of this country. Uh, it seems extraordinary <laughs> to me, does it not to you, that they can't actually organise a decent microphone, a decent Wi-Fi connection, um, and a decent picture. They could run. They could run a cable from uh, from the House of Commons. <laughs> Ten days. It's 350 yards. I looked it up on Google. Um, It is extraordinary uh, and makes me suspect that actually Boris Johnson doesn't really like announcing all these restrictions and being asked questions about it. Right. yeah, by the MP. So I think he probably pulled the plug. It's like that scene in Blackadder. Do you remember when? <laughs> I saw your piece today. I was reading it. Yeah, very funny. <laughs> when he's pretending he can't, he can't hear the order to advance on the right. telephone. Right. It's like the old thing you used to do uh, on the road as a reporter, when the news editor was demanding that you get back to the office, and you're sort of crickling in the background, going, "Sorry, it can't, it can't make it out. I'll have to find a better signal." You know, it really is quite remarkable. I mean, I, I, I put out a little tweet yesterday saying Huawei must be laughing their socks off. You know, and here's a here's an organisation that can't actually get their phones right, uh, while at the same time being slightly worried about Chinese interference in their phone system. <laughs> well, yes, we've all been there, though, haven't we? On on Zoom uh, Zoom meetings, uh, it's just not working out why why the connection doesn't work. Uh, but uh, no, I'm sure the Prime Minister did it on purpose this time. I mean, well, he finally, he finally got the line back in a different room. Um, but he'd 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 missed the questions yeah. from, uh, from from Graham Brady, who's one of the ringleaders of the Tory Libertarians, yes. who doesn't like 
the lockdown. So that was a that was a terrible shame for the prime minister. Yes, absolutely. And for the rest of us, really. But I mean, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because this COVID recovery group um, who we were trying to get on today um, are so desperate not to get on uh, because they're too busy negotiating. It seems to me that if you're negotiating what tier your constituency is going to be in, then um, where's the science in that? <laughs> absolutely. Um, I mean, it's very interesting that they are holding their fire until uh, Thursday when mm. the uh, announcement is expected to be made as to which which places go into which tiers. Uh, I mean, the government's quite right to uh, to leave it all until the last minute in, in one sense, because you want to make that decision uh, as late as possible so that you can base it on the on the latest data. And yeah. there will be there will be new uh, new figures coming out on Thursday. Um, so I can understand that. I thought Keir Starmer was uh, was completely off beam by saying, you know, you want to give people certainty. So why don't you tell us now right. which which tiers places are going to be in? Uh, absolutely right to leave it to the last minute. I mean, not just because you want the latest data, but also you want to give the Tory rebels the uh, least amount of time to uh, to get their act together. Well, exactly right. But I mean, that's pretty much standard uh, fare for Keir Starmer, isn't it? Because while he goes along with it and says he goes along with it, he's always got some sort of slight um, sort of niggle about how it was done. And so, again, he was probably sitting there thinking, well, how can we criticise this? Um, and so that was the best thing they could come up with. Well, that and uh, and the, the failure of uh, t- uh, test and trace. Or yeah. The, the- Trace and isolate bit of test, trace and isolate, mm. um, which is which is fair enough. I mean, easy, easy to criticise, but I mean, obviously, test and trace is not going to work when you've got when you've got a, a high level of, uh, of infections. Although there was an interesting study out uh, today suggesting that test and trace has worked, and that when the when they had that problem with the Excel uh, file mm. uh, and they lost a whole load of cases, so they didn't refer them to to, to track and trace. That actually led to a rise in uh, rise in infections and hospitalizations and deaths. Mm. So you know maybe test and trace hasn't been quite such a disaster as Keir Starmer presents it. Well, I'm sure it probably hasn't, but equally it hasn't been great either because we've also heard, have we not, of how the app uh, was not downloaded really by enough people, and certainly there were certain there were errors in the way that the risk levels were set. Um, and so I mean it's I mean it's obviously a very complicated business, and and you know I have some sympathy with any government that are trying to get to grips with all of this, but. The thing I don't hear, and which I think a lot of people are disappointed that they don't hear, is any kind of sort of real proper evidence that, you know, the lockdown, which we have had for the last nearly three weeks now, um, has had an effect. Whether, you know, I was I was watching a report last night from Leicester and Leicester have basically been in lockdown since forever, you know, yeah. and, and nothing seems to have changed. <laughs> yeah, well, alternatively, you could look at Liverpool, though, the Liverpool city region, where uh, that's that was been in tier three for some time. And that. And their numbers have gone down. Mm. I mean, that does that, uh, that tier three uh, does work. I mean, because there was a lot of scepticism before the lockdown about whether whether tier three was severe enough and whether we should have a tier four. Mm. But it seems it seems to have uh, what well, I mean. Maybe the cases have gone down in Liverpool for other reasons. Yeah. But uh, well, that, I, that, I, I mean, think... there, there is always a variable. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, I actually was one of those. And I think I said this to you before who thought, well, the tiered system seemed more sensible than just to, to lock everybody down in the same way, regardless of where they are in the country and how bad it is where they are. Um, so if they're now going to go back to that, um, when some people said it didn't work before, there's going to be more rows about it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, th- I think that's a sensible middle course. And, uh, you know, to be blunt, that is what the Prime Minister is doing. Mm. He is uh, He's trying to arbitrate between the, the scientists and uh, and the the libertarian anti-lockdowners on his own on his own benches. Yeah, and he's trying to start a middle course, and and actually a tiered system uh, seems seems like the the, the sensible middle course. Uh, he's toughening up the tiers, although uh, when he when he said what was going to be tougher uh, in in the tiers, um, it didn't sound like a very substantial increase in uh, in, in the restrictions. No, uh, and I find it you, quite like hard to. I mean, I find it hard to believe that he's going to they're not going to open or not going to allow pubs and restaurants to open in London, because I think he would face a massive backlash uh, from not just the people who run the restaurants and the bars, but also from his own people. Yeah, I think he's got a real problem with London, actually, because, uh, I mean, even Sadiq Khan doesn't want to go into tier three. Right. Uh, uh, But, you know, there's an awful lot of northerners who say we've had to put up with tier three. Um, and uh, cases in London are are going up, and uh, they they need to to uh, suffer some of the same medicine that we did. Mm. I mean, that would be that would be a bad bad reason for 
uh, putting London in tier three. The fact that you know you want to try and equalise the pain between uh, the south and the north, but. Mm. Uh, we shall find out uh, on, on Thursday what the Prime Minister has decided on that. Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? We're still kind of being led around by these uh, statistics, which which can um, be questioned, which can not necessarily be as bad as they're made out to be. I mean, Ian Duncan Smith was on uh, with Julie Hartley Brewer this morning and he told a story of, of a friend of his who died recently, who was admitted to hospital, um, who was tested for COVID, didn't have it, then got it when he was in there then died of a heart attack and was put down as a COVID death. And I think there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. There is. Uh, and, and that's a real problem, I think, of uh, COVID being uh, uh, being spread in, in hospitals. Mm. Uh, although, actually, uh, I mean, if you do look at the numbers, the, the, the real increase is, uh, is outside hospitals. Um, and you can understand why the government wants to do something about that. And public opinion, I mean, we've discussed this endlessly. Public opinion is still... <laughs> I'm, I'm, we've, we've discussed it so often. I'm not even going to challenge you this time. Just, just to surprise <laughs> you. <laughs> well, there's another. I mean, I just saw another uh, poll out today from Ipsos Mori. Uh, I mean, people, people support the most astonishingly illiberal restrictive measures. They don't think anyone should go go abroad. They don't think people should leave the country, let alone come into the country. Yeah. I don't know who these people are, though, because I've never met any of them and certainly none of them I've ever spoken to on this show. Um, but that's, you know, perhaps another story. Well, you have a very strange selection of people on your show. Well, Mike. that's what you say. Well, you're one of them. I mean, you know, the point is, is that, you know, I don't know anyone socially, for example, who is uh, who, who I speak to on a regular basis, uh, who is going to take any kind of orders about what to do at Christmas. Most people that I know are very sensible friends, people so and, and, well, they're, and they're not they're not going to. Um, they're not going to invite 35 people round to their house, um, but they are going to do what they want to do and they'll do it safely and they'll do it properly. And, and that's why, precisely why the government knows they cannot stop people having a decent Christmas. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the that's the other balancing act that the prime minister is trying to pull off is that he knows that although there is a large section of the population who, who actually want to abolish Christmas altogether and uh, lock everyone down throughout and don't, uh, you know, don't care about uh, uh, doing that because they think it's more important to save. These are all the sort uh, of people that read The Independent. Well, possibly. Yeah, um, yeah you have a very strange <laughs> collection of readers, I think I might say, just in response to what you said earlier. <laughs> well, perhaps we ought to mix my, our readers with, with some of your listeners, Mike. Well, and, maybe and you should. Your... Maybe you should. It yeah. wouldn't be a fair fight, though. Well, we need to get we need to get them on your uh, on your radio station. Yeah. But, I mean, there are there are, as you say, there are there are other people in the country who are going to ignore the rules if they don't think they're sensible. I mean, it was, it was interesting. Damien Green, who you wouldn't have have down as a uh, as a real seasoned Tory rebel, uh, was quoting one of his constituents yesterday saying, uh, you know, that if if the government imposed stupid regulations, then we're, we're, we're not going to obey the sensible. No, ones and, either. I, and I think that's absolutely uh, where the country is at the moment. Well, that's where that's where one part of the country is. But I mean, what I'm trying to say to you, Mike, is that actually there's a very, very large number of people who support the most astonishingly draconian uh, regulations. I mean, I, I despair of this. Guy. I, I thought this was a, a freedom loving uh, country, but yeah. I think. Uh, but you know, I this... think without, without, in all seriousness, without without being funny, most of the people who believe in all of those kinds of restrictions are people who have pretty comfortable lives, who have pretty decent yeah. houses, who are able to work from home, and who are not really affected by the lockdown. And you see that in all sorts of different arenas of life, don't you? I agree. I mean, I th I, th I think that's it's very easy to support all these draconian re um, rules if you if you've got a job which you can do from home. Uh, if you don't actually go out very often anyway and don't really like people and so don't uh, don't want to socialize um and you know if you if you don't have a sex life so i mean you know that is that's fine for some people but it's it's not uh, it's not good enough for for the rest of us well there was somebody pointed out on twitter yesterday um you're allowed to have sex with your partner but you can't play tennis with them <laughs> which doesn't really seem to me to make an awful lot of sense well, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how many people have a tennis court handy, but you know what I mean. It's, it, it, there's so many no, weird but, anomalies out there. Well, but it, but the but the principle is that, that that these regulations do get into the the nooks and crannies of people's private lives, which mm. uh, ought to be no business of the state. I mean, it ought to be possible to design regulations, uh, possibly you know, preferably voluntarily, yeah. as 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 they did in Sweden for most of the time. Mm. 
Uh, I mean, I don't see why they shouldn't uh, just rely on the uh, g- good common sense of the British people, as as yeah. Boris Johnson wants. Well this, is why, well, this is why I said at the top of, the, of this show that the, the lockdown that never really was. I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I, I refuse to accept that this, which is what we are in currently, is a lockdown because it doesn't look like a lockdown. Does it feel like a lockdown? You know, I mean, there's people all over the place wherever I go. Um, and yes, of course, some shops are still closed. And of course, the bars and restaurants are closed. But aside from that, you wouldn't yeah. know it was a lockdown. No, I mean, and, and that's a good thing in, in my view. Uh, I, I think... Uh, the, the worst thing about the the first lockdown in in March and April was the the closing of schools. I think that was an absolutely terrible mistake, and I thought that did a huge amount of damage to a whole generation of uh, of children. And I th- and I'm glad that there is now a consensus that whatever we do, we don't we don't close the schools. But I mean, I do, I still worry about in principle, the government trying to regulate every aspect of people's private life. Yeah, but also, I mean, that's one of the problems of the world in which we now live, that there are lots of people who would love to regulate our private lives. Many of them are advising the government, and many of them, I was glad to see that yesterday, that paediatrician saying, you know, that they're very clear that they do not want to close the schools, and I think a lot of parents will be very happy with that, because they've done it in New York, apparently, which has caused all sorts of ructions, because again, the only people... What, close the schools they, again? Yeah, they've closed the schools, because the, the only people it really hurts uh, are, are the blue-collar workers, the people who have to literally go out for for a living to make a living and who now can't because they're going to look after their children yeah yeah and uh the same same thing same things happening in hong kong as well yeah um i mean all all that is uh yeah i mean that, that is very bad and i think it is progress that uh that, that that there is a consensus that schools have to stay open yeah and you know, to be fair to the prime minister i mean you know he he was. Uh, he had to be asked a question by Desmond Swain about uh, who compared him to Oliver Cromwell, trying to, to trying to restrict Christmas. Mm. I mean, the, the prime minister do, is is a liberal at heart, I think. Uh, well, we keep hearing he, that, but it's becoming less and less clear whether he is actually. Well, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the problem is that he may he may say he's a liberal at heart, but uh, you've got to judge him by his actions. It's and, like uh, one of your parents saying, I'm very much against smacking, but they keep smacking you. And you go, well, are you sure about that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, listen, so um, on Thursday, I'm going to ask you for a prediction because I like to get your predictions, John. So what do you think? What, is, just so you can prove it wrong? No, not at all. No, just because, you know, it's what we do. You know, we are in the business of advising people, so we should give them the benefit of our great wisdom. So on Thursday, I'm going to say to you that I think London will be kept into tier two. Um, I don't know whether you think that the other tiers will come as per they are in Scotland. So they'll get five or something like that. Um, But I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure to not go too far with the restrictions. Yeah. I, oh, I, I, I completely agree. And I think, but the problem is he wants to, he, he is under pressure from the, from the, the scientific advisors uh, to, to, to increase the, uh, the, the severity of the, of the tiered system and put more areas into higher tiers. Mm. Um, but I think he, I, I, I do hope that he will resist that. And, and as you say, London is very important. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be politically difficult to appear to be favoring London. And so, you know, a lot does depend on what the numbers actually say. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think I think the Prime Minister will try extremely hard to put London in tier two, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. John, great to talk to you again, as ever. Thank you very much indeed. Chief Political Commentator at The Independent. Uh, John Rental says there's still an awful lot of people that want these massive restrictions to be put in place. Now, I don't want to be proved wrong here, but I don't believe that there are many people in that situation who are not... Uh, independently wealthy or or in some way able to live a very tidy and happy life without actually having to do anything else apart from sitting around at home. It seems ridiculous to me that there are people out there who wish to curtail other people's freedom. What is wrong with them? Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. So there's a pretty good guide in the sun this morning to all the various different tiers. Now, we're told there might be more tiers introduced. Tier one, medium alert, means that uh, basically you will be able to have a pub and restaurant open and it can shut at 11 o'clock. It looks like they're going to remove that curfew from 10 and make it 11 o'clock. Boris Johnson very clear yesterday. He said that 10 will be sort of drinking up time, a lot more sensible than the last time. Tier two, uh, it says pubs and restaurants to shut at 11 p.m. Uh, Alcohol only served as part of a substantial meal. So a lot of pub owners 
players will find that a little bit difficult. We spoke to some before that they said they'd rather go into tier three uh, uh, and have to shut altogether rather than go into tier two and not really be able to do any business. But tier three now um, says that pubs, restaurants closed except for delivery and takeaway. So let's talk to James Chiaverini now to find out what he's hearing, if anything, uh, on the old grapevine. James, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. I'm afraid most of the grapevine's been turned into wine here at the restaurant. <laughs> well, I, don't, all. I don't blame you. I mean, there's not much else to do. How have you, how, how has it been um, for the last few weeks? Because obviously I saw you shortly before uh, they decided on this lockdown, I think. Um, and, you know, you were you were saying that you could probably do a two-week lockdown if, if that was what was necessary. You could organise that. But how has it been for you this time around? Yeah, I mean, it, it's brutal. Let's be honest with you. I mean, the majority of the restaurants that I know have certainly managed to pivot and managed to uh, be resilient enough to think about some sort of uh, collection or delivery option. Yeah. We've got our own called Home James, which is at homejamesdelivery.co.uk. And I think that that's, that's working pretty well as a stopgap solution, but it's not the same as having your old business back. We've got to get the band back together. We've got to get to work now. Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, come Thursday, we will be given sort of our instructions, if you like, which I think many of us are getting heartily sick of, you know, because we didn't go through life in order to be given instructions on how to live, where to eat, when to eat, you know, what to eat with what. I mean, I don't even know what a substantial meal is. I mean, you might, you might, you might say, well, you look as if you know what a substantial meal is but you know I, I you know if i go to a bar you know what is a substantial meal yeah i know it's not exactly a packet of pork scratchings unfortunately but i mean it's like you know i mean most guys in the hospitality business are pretty resilient in the sense that we'll, we'll find a way to, to do our best in this and I'm, and I'm pleased to say that the government has made it abundantly clear that it is absolutely not our position to be policing any of these measures right so if somebody shows up and they're, they're, they're in in my eyes they're not they're not in the same support bubble I, it is not up to me to to you know to enforce that that government policy on them. No, quite. But I mean, as far as your restaurant is concerned in this particular lockdown, were you able to get any help this time? Yeah, I think that they're giving us, I think, a two thousand pound a month grant, which, on the grand scheme of things, is not a whole lot. But hey, I'll take it. Every little helps. Um, I think that's. I think that fundamentally, the treasury are trying to do their best. I think that unfortunately, Rishi Sunak's uh policy or fiscal stimulation is being tempered by an, an atrocious communication strategy mm. by his next neighbor and i think it's his next neighbor that's doing it kicking and screaming putting this money into the economy and it doesn't inspire confidence and what we need more than anything else is consumer confidence mm. the only way you're going to get consumer confidence to get people out spending for advent for the big christmas shopping is if boris comes out with a big announcement if he comes out at the moment it's like on some biblical game show where he's like a combination of i don't know like moses and his ten commandments and noel edmonds with deal or no yeah well you know or or connection or no connection as is the case was yesterday (laughs) where he managed to actually not continue with with his with his statement uh, because because his wi-fi went down but this is the thing i mean you you will know james there's plenty of people who are willing to go out and willing to spend money and willing to yep. get into restaurants you know those people who are frightened of it and don't want to do it then just don't do it right don't absolutely fine restaurants are on the safest places you can be in they're certainly safer than supermarkets you have a set table which is your table from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave all the way to the wearing mask, hand gel a go-go, one-way systems, mm. ventilation in place. I mean, the whole place is, is, is as secure as they come. You've got more chance of being hit by a root master than you do of catching COVID in a restaurant. Yeah, absolutely right. And what about your staff? Because they must be feeling a bit on the nervous side as well, because they don't know at this point, presumably, whether they can even have a Christmas, whether they're going to work at Christmas or what. Well, the, the worry that most restaurateurs now have is that with all the staff on furlough, as soon as they come back, they're going to put in their holiday requirements for Christmas. I mean, they're going to say, I want two weeks off at Christmas. Right. And, then, and then what's everybody going to do? Well, that's right. You know? But I mean, are they, they're, they're presumably still on furlough, are they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody's on furlough. Yeah. So again, I mean, you know, Rishi's been very good with that. And in the sense that we personally, most directors who typically pay ourselves with a dividend from any limited company, mm. most time businessmen will get... Uh, the square root of sweet fa but you know it's this as long as we can as long as we have a team when we come back then that's the most important thing yeah. as long as we can't get paid that is the most important thing so that we can come back we can come back with a team or we can come back raring to go right and just with with kind of just the practicalities of running a restaurant i mean presumably you've got stock um that you yeah. have to freeze or you can put in a freezer but you've got stuff that you can't do that with 
Yeah, yeah, we lost a lot of money on stock this year, first on the first lockdown and the second lockdown. That's been a big loss leader for us this year. But you know what? Hey ho, it, it, it is what it is, Mike. There's no point me shaking my fist at the sky and, and, and getting angry about it. That's not going to solve anything. No. What is going that's going to solve us is a sense of responsibility at the individual level, not at the government level. Each of us have to make our own individual decisions about what we want to do, about the life we want to lead, about the money we want to spend and about where we want it to be spent. Mm. And that's the determining factor about whether we come out of this in shipshape condition or if we just continue to lag in the doldrums. And did you take anything positive out of the statements made yesterday in terms of, you know, what we're going to be doing up until next year? Because everyone's talking about this vaccine as though it's the kind of the silver bullet and that by Easter, all of the vulnerable people uh, will have probably got it. But I mean, many of those people may not be the sort of people that would be going to your restaurants. I don't know if they would be. Um, so I don't know whether that changes anything. I think it does at the at the end of the day because it just it just adds another layer of much needed consumer confidence. If people know that there are three solid vaccines around the corner, and then it's up to them if they want to take it. Mm. Obviously, you know, I mean, you know, we're both fit middle aged men, so we're probably going to be pretty down low down on the pecking order for yeah. it. That's fine for me because that doesn't really bother me in a sense. You know, it needs to go out to the most needy and the most vulnerable. Yeah. No, I mean, I I wonder whether by the time they get to us, um, and they'll probably get to me before they get to you. By the way, which is very generous of you to say that we may be in the same bracket. Um, the point is right that um, by the time I get it, it may not be around anymore. You yeah, know, the disease true. might have gone. Uh, it, in which case, so much the better. In which case, so much the better. But I mean, you know, I mean, you, you certainly don't look to me like you're you're, you're suffering with COVID. No. Or that. Or that. Or that, or that it's got you under the weather by any means. No, it certainly hasn't. But I'm desperate to get back into the... I mean, I haven't actually been out that many times. I think I've only had dinner since the lockdown began uh, about three times out, you know, twice. And two of those three were in your restaurant, you know. And I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I could get a couple more of those in before Christmas, you know. But, but it's very difficult without knowing... Um, what's going to be said on Thursday. I can't believe that, that London will be put into a, a lockdown whereby restaurants can't open. It's, I mean, tier three is nuts. I mean, it is absolutely, it's, it's a hurricane of devastation. It's unleashing the dogs of war onto every small business in the capital. It makes no sense whatsoever. We spent the last 11 months, more or less, keeping the wolf away from the door. Hmm. And tier three, Boris may as well just invite the wolf in to have dinner at our table and yeah. just say, is this my friend? Come on, Wolfie, right. do your worst with everybody's business um i think that the numbers in london are down i think they're pretty much about 25 percent less than the national average which mm. is very very good which is very encouraging they're steadying i mean in Kensington, chelsea where i am they're down about 30 percent week on week which again is great news um and i think i think it's all very 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 positive and i think that we should be looking forward towards a big christmas party season which hopefully boris i know you're listening Pull your finger out, do the right thing. <laughs> exactly right. And would you then be able to sort of stand, uh, suffer yet another shutdown in, in the new year if that was the case? Well, let's be honest. If we have to shut down in January, January isn't the worst month of all to shut down for the restaurant and, and, and pub trade. Mm. Uh, November is probably a, a big one for us. So we've lost a big month now, but it doesn't matter. You know, we're in it for the long term and, you know, and we'll come out of our corner when that bell rings on the 2nd of December, whatever tier we're in, if we can trade, we're all going to come out that corner fighting. And it's going to be that fighting spirit that's going to keep everything going, Mike, I'm telling you. No, absolutely right. I'm amazed at your fortitude, I have to say. But you're also very well plugged into the restaurant sort of business as such. And what are you hearing about some of the bigger chains and whether they will be able to survive this? I can't imagine there's going to be many chains left on the high street up and down the country by Q2 next year, to be honest with you, Mike. Mm. A lot of them have already run for the hills. A lot of them have already done CVAs. Um, you know, they're nine months behind in arrears on their rent now. Landlords are not going to be happy with that. There's going to be a big reckoning in the spring, a big reckoning. And um, and we're not going to really be able to see the full scale of this devastation until the civil's loans start to need to be mm. paid back. Yeah. Remain. Yeah, interesting. And I see Sadiq Khan has even sort of finally worked out that actually having London as a ghost town is not one of the greatest ideas anybody ever had. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think, you know, and I think it's a shame that we've got a mayoral election next year because I think that's going to create more tension between City Hall and Whitehall, unfortunately, when regardless of what our political opinions are, we need them working together for our interests, not their bloody interests. Yeah, no, exactly right. James, good to talk to you. Thank you very much for dealing. Good luck. Hopefully, uh, if all goes well, I may see you next week 
uh, for a, a little um, red wine and some pasta. We shall see. Uh, James Chiaverini there, director of Il Portico, London's oldest family-run restaurant. Uh, we're going to take some calls coming up because we haven't taken enough of them yet. 0344 499 1000. What's going on where you are? Because what we need to know right now is where these tiers are going to fall. Because if the tiers that you were in before we went into lockdown uh, are going to be changed or are going to be up, upped or, or lowered, that's what I think we need to hear from all of you about. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, only a few weeks ago, we were told by the Prime Minister that we might never see a vaccine that would actually be of any use against the coronavirus, against COVID-19. Now, it would appear that we have possibly three coming up on the rails. And now also, uh, we are reliably informed here at Talk Radio that the Russians are on the brink of releasing their vaccine. And they're suggesting that uh, not that necessarily anybody here would buy it, but they will put it on the commercial market for $10 a pop. Let's talk to Professor Carol Sikora, uh, former head of the WHO Cancer Programme, Dean of Medicine at the University of Buckingham. Carol, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Now, I've very much enjoyed reading your piece in the mail today. It's not very often that we have cause for celebration or indeed um, optimism, but it's nice to see it once in a while. I mean, you know, we should be happy. And what's happening now, it's been a dreadful year, as you've just said. Mm. It doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you are, rich, poor, uh, professional, workman. It has been dreadful for all of us. And uh, it can only get better. But three things give me joy. Mm. The first is the numbers. The numbers of people going into hospital, they've flattened off in the last few days. Sure, the deaths still carry on, and that's sad, but the number of new people going into hospital is much less. Yes. And that means the NHS can get back to what it's supposed to be doing, making people better with a whole range of illnesses. The second thing that's great is the vaccine story. And there's remarkable consistency amongst the top three candidates here, the Pfizer, Moderna, and Oxford. Mm. Uh, Really bizarre, the Oxford story, that... Two, two, two doses were used in the, in the first shot. One was an error by the manufacturer, AstraZeneca, mm. whoever made the actual vaccine, and they gave the wrong dose to mm. half the people, half the dose. And it turned out to be better because of an immune reaction. It was very, very curious. Yeah. So fantastic. So they've achieved 90% uh, uh, prevention of, of, of uh, the illness. Yes. And then the third thing that gives me hope is getting out of this ridiculous lockdown that has been pointless. It has just cost the hospitality industry billions of pounds for no reason whatsoever. And the airline industry the same. We've got to smarten up. Mm. If we want to get back to normal, the government's got to look at how we can do that instead of just sitting there taking advice from large committees that come up inevitably with more doom stuff that we have to follow. Yes. Well, certainly, I mean, I'm hearing more and more people now saying that the government is more willing to move now. I don't know whether there's any connection to Dominic Cummings leaving Downing Street uh, because he was meant to be apparently quite a a strong advocate of lockdowns and quite a strong advocate of just trying to eradicate the disease um, by using data, which which has clearly been in some cases slightly misused, you know. But the fact that they've reduced the quarantine now uh, down to five days from 14, the fact that they're now talking about coming out of this lockdown and going into something else. 
would suggest that they're beginning to think the way that you and I have been suggesting they should be thinking for a while. I know. And you, you, you've had that wonderful man, David Nabari from the WHO on your programme, telling you the same thing. Yeah. The only people that suffer with lockdowns are poor people. There's no doubt. It makes poor people poorer. That's yeah. his famous quote. And so the, the way out of this it's not to lock down, but to go into the tiered system. So you've essentially got local lockdowns where you need them, but it's not one shoe fits all mm. sizes. You actually tailor it to the needs of the local population. Sure, it's messy. How do you define where you know Liverpool begins and Manchester ends and that sort of thing? But you can roughly see how you can control things. And uh, you know, there's no way policing it forcibly. The way to make people do what you want them to do is to sort of make them understand what mm. it is you want. And that's been the problem. I think the government have failed to communicate in a structured way to make sure people understand what they're trying to achieve. And some of the nonsensical things about no golf, no tennis, uh, it just makes no sense when mm. you query it. I mean, a child can query that sort of thing. Yes, exactly right. And I think that's the, po the point we have now reached because uh, even Damien Green, who, as uh, it was described to me earlier today, you wouldn't think is much of a Tory rebel, but he's saying that his constituents are telling him, look, if these rules are not more simplified and made more kind of user-friendly, we're just going to start ignoring them. Not even the stupid ones, but we'll start ignoring the sensible ones as well. I think, you know, for Christmas, a quiz, we could do the rules. And uh, I'm sure most doctors would fail to, to get 100%. Yeah. They are duly complicated. And it's got to be national, which is great. And it does seem that as we move into the Christmas period, we are going to have a national set. Let's keep it national. Uh, so all four countries that make up the United Kingdom do exactly the same thing. Right. And, you know, people of society is willing to go along with it, but it, it needs to have it explained to it. And we haven't seen that. Mm. Veiled threats by Matt Hancock, especially that well, we're going to make the vaccine compulsory. There's throwaway lines mm. now and again. Not helped no. the whole well, I think also people haven't really pointed this out, but you've just kind of uh, in intimated it, that the fact that all four nations of the United Kingdom have slightly different policies would tend to suggest that, that you know, if you want to be generous about it, that nobody's absolutely sure what the right answer is. Uh, if you were going to be ungenerous, you might say none of them really have got a clue what to do. I, I think the ungenerous line is probably the correct way. <laughs> Very possibly <laughs> so. The, the, the one thing that I really have a beef about are children being counted in the rule of six mm. because that's how big your family is. If you've got five kids, you're not you can't start entertaining anybody. No, no, uh, and, which is which is crazy, sense. isn't it? Where, and where Scotland and Wales have different rules, different ages, and and so on. Who who makes this up? Mm. So no one with any science that can back it up scientifically so saying we follow the science is just craziness for yeah this sort of and also thing. i mean much as i'm very encouraged by the fact that christmas could well be relatively normal for everybody um it makes no sense really scientifically to say that during a period of time between say the 22nd of december and the 27th or the 28th of december that the covid disease is going to act differently no i mean he's not going to go to lapland to see santa claus for example no that's the I mean, uh, so clearly, uh, you know, we've got to allow Christmas because otherwise we'll get breakdown of societal rules. I mm. mean, if you tried to say everyone's got to stay at home at Christmas, that would be the end of, uh, of any sort of tier system. Yeah. So we have to get through that. And then after that, what happens? I guess there won't be any New Year's Day parties. There won't be any through the night in, in Trafalgar Square and all that stuff will be gone. But hopefully by Easter, everything will be calm again. I, I think the figures really look good at the moment. Mm. And uh, we can do is just hope that we, we come back to normal. No, of course. I've got a question for you, if you don't mind. Uh, Alistair tweeted sure. me earlier, said, could you please ask the professor if having a vaccine may trigger an immune response or improvement on those suffering with long COVID? We don't know. It's a very good question, a very subtle question, because we don't understand the causes of long COVID. Mm. And almost Certainly, there are different mechanisms at play. Different organs, lungs, joints, kidneys, liver get affected by the virus long term. And it may be that the vaccine changes the immune reaction to it and makes things better. Also, 
giving certain drugs that play around with the immune response may also help to do the same things. I'm sure there'll be lots of studies coming out to try and help people with long COVID, which can be quite distressing for quite a large number of people. Yes, I think that's very true. Another question here uh, from um, Insurrection uh, on Twitter who says, can you ask the professor just how accurate the PCR is as according to the lateral flow test it is a terrible yardstick that everything is based on? Now, he's going back to that conversation we were having last week, I think, about the Liverpool results in, in as much as, you know, the PCR test was showing a very different um, level of infection from the lateral flow test. Yeah, so the lateral flow test is is not a PCR. It just picks up the virus protein, uh, and it's like a pregnancy test. It cheats a, a few pounds to do, and you read it out in 15 minutes at the point of care. The, the problem is that it doesn't measure the, the genetic material of the virus. That's the proper PCR test. It has to be done in a lab, although there are some rapid kits that can be done in labs in airports just around the back and mm. of a boot somewhere. But the, the problem is... Uh, the PCRs cost at least £20, that sort of level. It's difficult to make them cheaper. And obviously, it depends where you go, how much you're charged. So at an airport, they charge about £50. Uh, in Harley Street, it can be up to £500 mm. to get, the, get a test. So uh, the, the, the key to the future is monitoring where the virus is in, in society and actually not testing everybody, just going out there and testing, but doing it for a purpose to find out. Like the, the Imperial College study where they posted 300,000 people a kit mm. and they have a detailed history of these 300,000 people. So you get a lot of quality information about them. Yes. And and uh, one here from why, does the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine work in the same way as the Pfizer one or is it different? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you through the ringer here on the vaccines, but uh, but these are all questions that we've had in this morning. No, no, fair enough questions for the topic. So uh, the, 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 the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, the American vaccines, work by having the genetic material of the virus, uh, the RNA, and bunged into a muscle by an injection. Hmm. And you produce the protein, you produce your own protein to be immunised against. The Oxford one virus the chimpanzee cold virus does the production so uh, we don't know which works better in in the long term we'll all find out the key question we have no data on obviously because it's too soon is how long you get protection for mm. and that is pretty key and um, there's no way we can speed that up we just have to wait and see well, the immunity question is interesting, isn't it? Because you've spoken before about the whole T-cell thing and how some people might be immune anyway, somehow. That's the thing. These coronaviruses are not new. They've been around for eons, for way back in evolution. And obviously, it first came to our attention with SARS in 2003. Some of us have been exposed to them. Some of us have prime T cells that can deal with coronavirus and just get rid of them without any trouble. I'd like to think I'm one of those people, but we'll see as things go on. And uh, if, if, they, if they do and they recognize old coronaviruses, you have cross immunity. And if up to 30%, maybe 20 to 30% of the population have that, that's fantastic. Mm. Then you've got the infected, maybe another 15%. And then you've got the vaccine, which takes you way into the 60% level, which would be fantastic. Yeah, it would really be. And how about this from um, uh, Fiona, who says, if you've had COVID or live with someone who has had it and you didn't contract it, should you take the vaccine? I know that T-cells come into this, but as a mere pleb, uh, how could I find out if I have them, she says. No, you're not a mere pleb, Fiona. It's a reasonable question, a very good question. The, 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 I think you should just ignore whether you've got any contact with it or not. Just have the vaccine if it's around. You know, I know I get a lot of uh, uh, stuff, of not pleasant stuff on Twitter from anti-vaxxers, but, you know, just like polio, this vaccine will actually help us to, as a society to get out of it. Mm. I think... In this case, I think it's it's important to get it. You don't know what your status of immunity is, and there's no real good test. And so the only way is to have the vaccine. And what do you make of this Russian development in which we are having? We're, we're we're trying to get it confirmed, but apparently the Sputnik Five vaccine is going to be made available, and it may not ever appear in Western Europe, but it's certainly going to be looked at by countries in the Middle East. Um, and it's I'm told uh, I'm looking at a piece of paper here which says basically that there will be um, uh, uh, doses made available for as little as ten dollars a time. 
It, it is very curious. This is a weakened virus, what we call an attenuated virus. And uh, is it safe? Probably so. Does it work? There not, no data are published and no safety data are published. Yeah. So it's certainly not going to be registered with the European agency, so it won't be available in Europe legally. No. But there's sort of under undercover cover routes for these, the black market in everything uh, in medicine. And almost just like expensive kind cancer drugs, there's the Russian expense high-end cancer drugs circulating out there. I know about those. I don't know about vaccines, but I assume the same sort of rules apply. You pay a thousand dollars in cash somewhere and someone will inject you something and mm. you buy somewhere like that and you'll think you've had the vaccine you might feel better if you do but my advice is if, if you're in this country just wait until it gets rolled out here which yeah will. i mean i think genuinely if people are worried about a vaccine which is being made by pfizer and astrazeneca um surely to heavens they're not going to go anywhere near one that's made in russia exactly north korea probably slightly worse but uh uh, Russia, they, you know, they do reasonable drugs. I mean, the pharma industry in, in Russia is pretty good, but I think this seems everybody's been rushing with this. So, mm -hmm. really, far too fast to develop a vaccine three to six months. And uh, you know, I trust more the open data sources of Pfizer, Moderna, and, and AstraZeneca than I would of a Russian biopharmaceutical house that tests the first products in the military because they have a big army they mm -hmm. can test. No, quite. And last question that came in today from Phil. How confident can we be, Ray, distribution of the new vaccines when my wife, who is under 50 and normally pays for a flu jab at a pharmacy, can't get one? Uh, surely flu jab distribution should be routine. The flu jab, it was, it's, of course, flu jab this year has been particularly in demand mm. because of COVID, not because it protects against COVID, but simply people are aware of respiratory disorders and don't want to get flu on top of anything else. So there's been a shortage of supply. The supply chain's been interrupted. There's enough for everybody eventually, but it's been late for some people. Mm. And you know, my wife got an invitation from a GP being old. She's younger than me, but she's still got invited. I got nothing. I had to go to Boots and get it once right. and ever. You know what I mean? It's, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's difficult. And um, the age cutoff makes no sense. Everybody in healthcare is can get a vaccine. We they come to the hospital and do it for everybody. Mm. Uh, that's fair enough because you're in an exposed environment with people with chest infections. So uh, it, it'll all straighten itself out. And the, the panic about the COVID vaccine will come to an end when we see it being rolled out and yes. going on. And, and just one final question, Professor. As per usual, I always ask you about the cancer business as it is um, and the business of treating cancer patients and getting people screened and getting people, um, you know, to know whether there's a problem earlier. Um, how's that going now? So it's better, but it's not up to normal. So Cancer Research UK published just two days ago a, a report on the diagnosis of cancer through scans, CT scans mm. and our scans. And... Uh, it showed we were still operating below what we'd expect for this time of year. And so uh, getting things back to normal is, is really critical and difficult. Front page of the Journal of the Royal Society of Medicine yesterday has a wonderful graph that shows how the NHS stopped a lot of things on the 23rd of March of this mm. year. And it's still not back to normal. And you can just see the graph drop precipitously within two days and then slowly climb back up. And that's what we're fighting against. We've got to get back to normal. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Professor Carol Sakura, as ever, thank you so much for talking to us. Dean of Medicine at the University of Buckingham, former head of the WHO Cancer Programme. We've got to get back to normal as soon as possible. Never uh, were those words more welcome, I don't think, than they are today. Because if they can, uh, on Thursday, through uh, the offices of the Prime Minister of this country, uh, look as if we're trying to get back to normal, I think that will be the beginning uh, of something great. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Now, many things you might say in 2020 have been a bit strange. Many things have not been as they would normally be. Many things uh, have been forgotten. Claire uh, has just sent me a tweet saying, have you forgotten the appalling floods back in January and February of 2020? Started bad and just got worse and worse. Well, actually, yes, I have. I can't remember any of that. 
at all. All I can remember is what happened after I left the pub for the last time uh, as lockdown was about to happen uh, around about March the 19th, I think it was, uh, that I was in there. And uh, after that, all I can remember now is anything that happened since then rather than before. It may just be uh, a, a quirk of uh, the way my mind works. But let's talk now to Mike Ward, TV critic for the Daily Express and the Daily Star, because life uh, as we knew it has changed irrevocably in some ways. I mean, even I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, uh, is now filmed in Wales, for heaven's sake, rather than Australia. Mike, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Afternoon, Mike. So, um, it's bad news, isn't it, if you're one of the people that used to get sent to Australia to cover this, because that would be a great old jolly, I would imagine. Do you know what? I, I, I'd rather go to Wales. <laughs> in all seriousness. Really? No, no disrespect to Australia. It's Why? just a long way. I've been oh, a couple of times, and, and you know, it takes me about three weeks to get over the misery of sitting on a plane. My well, I mean, I must admit, I, I have myself uttered these words recently. I don't fancy getting on a plane no. if I have to wear a mask for hours on end. No, and the minute God. you get into the into the airport to sit around, I mean, it's all very well saying, well, you can as long as you're eating and drinking, you don't have to wear it. Yeah, you can't just continually can't, do that. Can I you? don't know. I think you and I could make a good. Well, job. maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, my problem is, right, is whenever, I, up. whenever I go on holiday, I quite often have to be compass mentis at the other end because yes. I've got a family to look after and yeah. maybe drive them somewhere so I can't get completely ripped up. And I certainly wouldn't want to get on a plane to Australia uh, for sort of, I don't know, 18, 20 hours with a mask on. I don't think so. Oh, no, it's, uh, yeah, Mis miserable. I mean, I, I, I struggle with the whole... You're meant to put bits of uh, smear washing up liquid on the lenses, aren't you, to stop it steaming up? Oh, are you? Right? Yeah. What, is everywhere that, I put... your glasses? Every time I walk, I walk into a shop, put a mask on. Immediately, I can't see a thing. Yes. It's like just walking into smog. I've got a variety of techniques for that. There's, there's a way of doing it, but, if you, but, but it's kind of hit and miss. If you get the mask high enough up, yeah, um, so that it, your breath kind of goes above the glasses. It's, it's fine. <laughs> which is, how does that but, work? But it's very annoying. I find it really irritating, actually. Or just drill a why, hole in it. Would yeah, which is why I just hate wearing them. I just but, really hate wearing them. And do you know what? Every time I sort of see all those quirky designer ones or whatever, it doesn't matter how quirky or designery no. you make them, they just feel awful. They look still awful. suck. I yeah, think is the basic on every problem. level. Exactly right. Now, speaking of, uh, of things being different, though. I'm, I'm, I shouldn't be surprised to see this in the front of the sun this morning, um, that, that, that there are coaching going on for these uh, I'm a celebrity people. Yeah, I'm not entirely clear to what extent, because, you know, in a way, are we surprised if we discover that when they uh, start these trials, they are at least a little, you know, they have been familiarised, mm. is that a word, with what to expect? Yeah. Because, you know, for years now, so ever since the show's been going, you know, you get this bit where... You know, some of the older ones or the less fit ones sit it out on medical grounds. So and so, uh, like Bev, I think was the the last one. Beverly Caddard was excused the last one on medical grounds. So they must, by definition, know what is about to happen yes. for them to have been excused on medical grounds. It can't be a complete surprise. No. Um, and also, you know, to be fair. There are elements of those trials which, if they didn't understand how, for example, when you have to, the stars are on those little um, spindly, um, you have to spin them off. You know, oh, yeah. spin off a, well, you say this as if I know what you're talking about. Have you I, never watched well, it? Well, I have. I watched it years ago. When it first started, when it was a big thing, yeah. I think I was still working for the oh, hasn't changed. So we sort of had to watch it because if you were running the paper, you had to know what was going on. Indeed. You know, but in the same way that I remember you used to, used to have to come in and watch all the pictures from overnight on Big Brother. You know, but I mean, now, brother, within wow. recent memory i can't remember really watching it at all there was a trial last night i mean basically a lot of the trials involve sort of getting these little yellow plastic stars they go oh. in, un underground or into a cellar or right. you know into a box or whatever or they're surrounded by snow there are certain technicalities that you have to do when you're down there right to get these stars and put them in your little pocket in your pocket so you bring them out and each one represents a meal for camp okay now if you go in there and you can't undo a padlock because you haven't worked out how the key works or whatever right it would just, the whole thing would grind to a halt and become really bit boring to watch. And there was a trial last night, actually. I'm, which afraid, was... I'm afraid I've already crossed that particular route. Yeah, OK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm do you want me to carry on? Stars... No, no, I don't mean I'm bored with you. I'm no, just bored well, with the show. It happens. The stuff, you know. I mean, I might get bored with you. Yeah. It's not, just, I mean, I would, never be so rude. I would never be so rude as to say that. But the stars, I'm told, are on screws. So you have to Yeah, screws. Do you know what? I was trying to think of the word screw, and I couldn't even think of the word screw. I mean, that shows how desperate my vocabulary has got. Well, this is what lockdown's done It's They're stuck on this 
spy, metal spy really thing. Anyway, so yeah, if they fumbled to the point where actually, you know, it's a bit like watching somebody who can't unlock their car door. Yes. Then it would just be boring television. So I think coaching them the basics that are certain things that will apply in every trial regardless mm. is fine. I don't think it's as if the whole thing, the actual trial is faked. Yeah. Besides which, you know, the show's been on for 20 years. They pretty much know they're going to have, you know, cockroaches chucked at them and snakes. Presumably and... you can't really fake the trials anyway because each no. trial is bound to be different, isn't it? Well, it, they are different in, in a sort of samey kind of way. Yeah, but and I mean, you don't know how it's how the person's going to react You don't know how the person's going to react. And, you know, if, they, if there's any element of fakery there, all I'd say is they're all very, very good actors. And if they're all very, very good actors, what the hell are they doing on I'm a Celebrity? Because surely the, whole, yeah, surely the point of the show is that you want people to act in in a way that you weren't expecting them yeah. to act. I don't think what you see, the bit that matters, I don't think, is, you know, there's any element of fakery there. Mm. But like all TV, I mean, we're all grown-ups. We all know that it's not as spontaneous as it's, you know, it's what? made to look. Are you sure you want to be <laughs> as quoted as saying that? Yeah, right, I think then. so. Okay. Yeah, well, think what so. about this other story that's been doing the rounds about how there's now talk of doing away with the kind of some of the more uh, sort of obscene trials with some of the wildlife, if that's what you want to call the wildlife, yeah. like rats and kind of you know witchy grubs and all of that. What, what do they want to do instead? Well, I don't know, but they want. They seem to be saying now that it's a bit cruel, and and now that we're in 2020 and everybody's so woke. We shouldn't be really harming animals as part of entertainment. No, but this story comes up every year as well, doesn't it? I mean, I think this, I'm, I'm sure I've been part of endless discussions along these lines. <laughs> you know, to a certain extent, you sort of think, well, if you're a rat or a snake, they're not going to do anything nasty to a rat or a snake. No, because they're just you... the people running the television company. Indeed, well, indeed. Um, so the rats and the snakes come out fine. The rats, the rats look a bit spaced out most of the time. So if mm. they put the rats inside a sort of box with these people, they don't look as if they're about to sort of gnaw into their faces. They no, just sort but of they're lie probably there. not enjoying it very much. They're are they? probably not enjoying it. No. Um, I think if you're a cockroach or whatever, your days are numbered because you're probably going to get crushed. Cockroaches you know. survive everything, including I'm, I'm a celebrity. I'm not entirely. Where do they get them from? Is there is there a sort of warehouse where you just order them by the sack load? Well, and, I used to have an apartment in New York that was full of them. I don't know where you know, can <laughs> quite happily get them. From there. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that that will all, that will always come up. But um, I, I sort of think you know most people will be on on that board. And what are the numbers like these days? I mean, in terms of Huge. the payday, are they? Oh, sorry, what you mean the pay or the or the ratings? No, the ratings. Oh, the ratings. Absolutely, the ratings for the last uh, uh, the, the launch, which mm. is last Sunday, which have just been consolidated, which basically means all the people who watched it three days after it was on, which is very weird because there've been four or five episodes since. So what you know, how, how late are they catching up on all this? Um, but by the time you take into account every means of watching it mm. via every process imaginable, you're looking at something like 14 million. Wow. Which is up there with, I think it's the final of the 2004 series, something like that. Mm. A long, long time ago. It's, it's that is very impressive. Hugest it? ratings. But are, are they now including the sort of the watch again type stuff? Yeah, they're including everything. I mean, the bulk of it is people watching on the night because yeah. it's one of those things. If it's a nightly show, yes. you know, it's a bit like recording the football and watching it a week later. It's yeah. a bit pointless. Yeah, or um, the World Cup or something. For the most part, it's... Uh, you never want to watch that again. The mo for the most part... Um, yeah, it's, it's stuff on the night, but they add a few more, obviously, for people who watch it later, which is fair enough, because yeah. they're watching and, it. And obviously, before I let you go, I have to reveal uh, to the world some of the ghastliness that's coming at Christmas. Mm. I see that, uh, talking of, uh, of shows that perhaps are past their best, Britain's Got Talent, yeah. Christmas Day special. Yeah, There's greatest a, hits thing. Christmas Countdown on Strictly. Um, and other than that, it's all the usual old rubbish. It's isn't a it? sort of uh, yeah. Uh, Jamie Oliver's going to tell us how to cook turkey for the twentieth year on Is the he? trot. There's a Doctor Woke special, right. uh, obviously, inevitably, which I think will be New Year's Day. Right. Um, Jeremy yeah. Clarkson's review of 2020 might be quite good actually. That's the only thing I'm. That's the only thing I'm looking forward to. Watch that. The rest of it is the Vicar of Dibley, <laughs> Mrs. Brown's Boys. Um, you know, uh, call the midwife special. Wurzel Gummidge, Blankety yeah. Blank, Doctor Who. I mean, really. Oh, oh, yeah, well, I seem to remember last Christmas Day was possibly the worst Christmas television I think I'd ever seen. Do you want? Shall we do a slagging off of the Doctor Who now to get it over and done with? What, what the, been... the Christmas special or yeah. just the whole thing? No, just the Christmas special. Yeah, go on. Uh, it was terrible, wasn't it? What last year's? Well, no, I this year. I, well, so I this, this year. I'm just doing it in advance because oh, you, know, you know. Well, I mean, same. I haven't watched Doctor Who. My, even my kids stopped watching Doctor Who some years ago, um, and uh, you know they have absolutely no taste at all. 
So there we are. Thank you very much indeed. Mike Ward, TV critic for the Daily Express and the Daily Star, uh, already slagging off Doctor Who, even though he hasn't seen it. But I mean, honestly, I just remember, because we went away last Christmas, and I just remember that, on, and I'm not that bothered about watching TV on Christmas Day anyway. Certainly my children are not. Uh, they've got far more uh, things to do with all the gifts that they've just received. But, you know, there was literally nothing on. I remember we both uh, sat there saying, you know what, there's not even a Harry Potter film on anymore. What is happening? out there 0344 499 1000 Ian Collins is coming in of course very shortly to tell us what's coming up I can't believe we've nearly done another show I don't know where the time's going these days but it's looking very nice outside so um, we'll be doing Plank of the Week later on uh, with Kevin O'Sullivan and uh, Olivia Utley uh, there's plenty of contenders Ian Blackford by the way who hasn't got a mention yet on the show has certainly found his way shoehorned his way into Plank of the Week uh, after his tweet last night which he deleted about a photographer um, who put out a beautiful picture of the Northern Lights uh, uh, and is a photographer who's famous for that kind of thing who has relocated by the way to Scotland because he couldn't get to Iceland due to coronavirus. Blackford puts out a tweet having a go at him for travelling to Scotland even though he lives there. Unbelievable stuff. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.